right, so friendship. Um, I want to approach this subject uh, a little bit differently than um, maybe I might normally do. And, and I'm just going to try to look at it uh, as, um, as a piece that has almost three sides to it. There's, there's a, uh, I want to talk about the issue of isolation. I want to talk about how we need to exercise a degree of discretion in our relationships. And then I would like to complete that by focusing on what is the, the, the title and the primary thrust, the main accent point of our time together, which has to do with truthful love and the role that it plays in our key relationships and particularly in our friendships and how we can grow in our capacity to be people who um, both share and are able to receive truthful love. And so this is where I, I would like us to go. Now, you might re recall, and it's already listed in our handout as well, in the Bible, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, it says this, and this was written to believers or those who were following the Lord and had made that decision. And they were a community of, of followers and believers, and they were a church. And he wrote these words. He says, let us consider one another. And this is a word for all of us. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. I want us to just open up with some reflections on this passage because it's so rich. There are things that we are being asked to do. The first thing that I want us to see that this passage is actually, these two verses is an appeal that is being made about the danger of living in a selfish way. So the first thing we hear through this is don't live selfishly. This idea, how does it begin? Consider what? One another. So much of the Christian life is about one another. If you look at the words of Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my followers, my true followers indeed, if you have love one to another. Be kind to one. I mean, the, the scriptures are just racked full of reminders that this faith is not just about us on a solo journey. It's about, it's about other people involved in our lives making this journey with us. It's about friends, it's about relationships, it's about learning how to be a blessing. Now we talk a lot in the church about the need to uh, focus on growing. We talk a lot about personal growth. We mention all the time that to sign up with Jesus is to sign up to be a growing person. That the Lord doesn't really give us the option of no growth. That part of what it means to follow Jesus in a way that's gonna work and show up is that we have to apply ourselves to actually looking at the words that he teaches us and then get them implemented into the everydayness of our life. So it's not just this thing that I theoretically believe in that's a very religious you know, conviction that I have, but it's designed to work itself into the fabric of who we are so that we're growing as a people, increasingly being challenged to expand out of areas that we have been in confinement, for example or areas of our personality that we have formed over years, perhaps, uh, maybe sometimes in reaction to hurts that were inflicted upon us or just experiences that we've had, areas that we, we acknowledge might, might need attention, but we have chosen maybe not to deal with them. And God's going get, to get into that, and he's going to try to get us better, and he's going to try to challenge us around it, and he's going to want us to be open to growing. And so that we can't just use the excuse, well, that's just how I am. Not if we're, you know, none of us have that option, really. Well, that's just how I am. Well, how we are is to be open, really, 
to what the Lord would have us to be, which is always truly who we were meant to be in him. And so it, it means that I have to be open to my character being challenged a little bit. It's going to affect how we keep our commitments. It's going to affect how we love. It's going to affect how we are relationally um, treating one another. It's going to affect, if we do this right, how we engage problems in life. It's going to affect, affect the choices we make and the decisions we make. It's going to challenge those moments in our lives when we want to pass things by and take the easy route. But God is challenging us to take the harder path that's going to bring life and not the easy out. It's going to bring death. This, okay, what I'm trying to say is learning how to, how to love ourselves as he loves us, to receive his love, so that what love your neighbor as yourself. Someone said that we talked about this. How do I love my neighbor as myself if I haven't really properly learned how to have a healthy love for myself as God sees me? And what does that look like? And what does it mean to be open to, to change? So uh, we talk a lot about, about growing and about focusing on our own personal growth and well-being. But we must always remember that at the end of the day, the Christian life is not just about me you know, self-actualizing and, and really knowing who I am. And we, it's about being a blessing to others. Consider what? One another. It, it, this life was meant to be lived so that we can be a healer in our relationships, so that we can be a blesser, so that um, other, others will be able to also um, experience the love of God through the way that we're living. And that is huge. This is not just about me. That's the point. Consider one another. And what else are we told here? That we are to provoke one another, stir up one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is a reminder, by the way, that we are not to live in isolation. The, the, the Bible was saying very early on, there were a lot of believers who were saying, you know, I, I believe, but I just don't really see a value of coming together. And there was a lot of reasons why they weren't coming to church. This is what this is really talking about. Gathering together as a community of believers in, to express our love in a way that is distinct from a small group or just by myself, to share our love together for the Lord and to come together to be strengthened in the way that we would go and the way that he would have us to go. The value in having established patterns in our lives of, of things like coming to church is huge because a, a lot of times in life, we will find that our feelings will wane. And so, you know, we will go through dry patches in life where our walk with God, we're not feeling great about it. Uh, we might feel like, you know, just it's, it's something that we're, it, our interest is waning. Um, you know, our devotion may be not what it was. Uh, there, just that feeling that comes at times in our lives. And, and when, you, when you live with the Lord and learn to walk with Him over a period of time, you realize that there are seasons where it actually, the, the circumstances are such that it's really hard to just, you know, stay up all the time. And, and, and in those places, we would be tempted to just sort of isolate ourselves or to withdraw ourselves from coming in community specifically coming a lot of times, and this happens, I'll, I'll meet people and say, they'll say to me, you know what, I've been away for a long time, but something happened and I, I just made, I felt like I needed to come back. But the value of having, and I think, I, and I go, I'm proud of you. I, I, I mean, I, man, be blessed. 
you always have a home here. I hope you never, I hope you learn to live close to community all the days of your life because there's something about having grooves in our lives that are well-established, healthy habits that help us through the times in our lives where the feelings aren't there. The value of good habits, like he says here, coming together, is that it keeps us from that tendency that is always there, particularly when things aren't going well or we're feeling depressed or a little discouraged, that, that tendency to want to pull away and get isolated. And there is a danger in isolation. And to just, the value of relate, we talk about the hard work of connecting and the value of coming together and investing ourselves into relationships where we're going to be encouraged to move forward with God. And that's the third piece here, is that this is a reminder that we are to be encouragers and exhorters. Now, what is the difference in those two words? You know, this idea of encouragement. What comes to your mind or my mind when we think of the word uh, encouragement? Most of us, I think when we hear that word, oh, they encouraged me. You know, I was feeling a little low, but this person came. It kind of has a, a few, it feels like a soft word that it has to do with someone coming alongside and sympathizing with us and listening to us and then afterwards speaking some words that, you know, by the time we're done, I feel better, I feel more encouraged, you can help me. I wasn't, I, you know, I was feeling a little bit down around it. it. This idea of almost putting my arm around you and saying, it's going to be okay, or let's pray about it, you know, and we're going to get through this, or you can do this, and you know, just a soft word. But really, look at the root word in that, it's, it's courage. It has to do with the impartation of courage. But I still believe that at, the, at its core, that this idea of being an encouragement to one another, which is what friends will be, by the way. All of us at times will need to be encouraged. I don't care how successful we are or may think we are or others may think we are. We will always have times where we need to be encouraged. One of the, the blessings of doing what I do is I get a chance to meet so many different kinds of people from all different stratas of life. And one of the things I've come to realize is all of us at times will need encouragement. Everybody at times will need somebody to say, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. God is with us. And I believe in you. Or we're going to get through this. Or this too will pass. Or you know what? Just listen. Someone to listen to us. And to let us vent our feelings and our heart and our hurt. Or our disappointment. And to be able to just have people in our lives that can encourage us. Um, you know, we all need encouragement at times. We need others who, by the time we're done talking, you know what I'm talking about? By the time we're done, we come out of that feeling more courageous about what we have to deal with. We're encouraged. So that idea of encouragement is a soft word to me. The idea of exhortation, it to me has a little bit different edge to it. And it says in this verse, right, exhort one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. Look, the idea of exhorting almost has that edginess to it where it's not just someone coming alongside, sympathizing with us, hearing our heart, but it, it almost has to do with someone who's compelling us. Who's, and that fine line, there are times in our lives where we really just need to be understood. And the gift of a friend is to understand us. But then there are other times where really what we need is someone to, is someone to come and to say, hey, okay, I get it, but what are we going to do about this? Or, you, you know what? Come on. We've had enough here. We need to get going. We need to move on. We need to turn the page, my friend. It's time. We can't keep hammering on what they did to us or how she hurt you or how he hurt me. 
as there's a certain point where, or while this, uh, there's a certain point where we got, we need friends, we need people who will tell us, in, and we know we, and here's the deal, we know they care, and we know they love us, and they're reminding us that maybe it's time to move out, move, move on. Maybe it's time, and we hear that, maybe it's time, and I've had it said to me, well, maybe this is where your faith really needs to show up. Maybe this is where it's time to see what you have with the Lord. Maybe this is the time where we get to actually find out when it's not just going our way, but how about when it's going the opposite way, what's going to come out of us? Maybe this is a time with God's grace to step up, to own your own attitude. You can't change the situation, but you can own your own heart. Maybe God is saying, you know, and so we need, we need, we need people who at times will confront us in love and speak a little more forthrightly with us and even challenge us on things. And if we don't have that in our lives, we are missing one of the great blessings of life because so much trouble comes because people are reluctant to tell the truth to one another. And the last thing in that verse it talks about is exhorting one another and so much of the words you see today approaching. I won't spend a lot of time here that's obviously talking about the second coming of the Lord, but really what it's also reminding us to do is always keep the end in sight. Live in the present with always a sense of our own end. Why? You say, well, it sounds morbid. No. It actually is clarifying because it helps get us out of stuck places when we remind ourselves, you know what, I won't be here forever. And I can't, how long can I linger in this place? And at what point do I need to heed what other people are saying to me and begin to move forward and move on, get free, break through? Talk about the breakdown that leads to the, you know, the break, breakthrough that leads to the breakout. Well, how does that happen? Okay, friendships play a crucial role in that. Hence, the Bible puts a lot of weight into not isolating, but rather investing into life-giving friendships. Look at Proverbs 18.1. We're going to take a look at a couple of key verses here. In Proverbs 18.1, it says this. This is a great verse. It says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. But he, more than that, he rages against all wise judgment. That the, this is the Bible's way of saying that true wisdom can never be found uh, alone. This is talking about a self-directed man or woman who has closed themselves out from the input of others because they really don't want to hear anything. And one of the signs of wisdom, the way of wisdom, see again, it rages against all wise judgment. That means it goes against the grain of wisdom. Now all of us here need more wisdom for living our lives. Not one of us here that doesn't need the wisdom of God. And one of the ways the Bible says that wisdom is mediated into our lives is through other people who we have invested into relationally, who share a common desire to move forward with him and therefore have access into our lives. And the Bible is saying here is that the, that is a foolish way to isolate ourselves relationally or to close ourselves off from input. It's talking about a person who may be so set in their own mind about what is right that no one is allowed access to challenge it. And the Bible says that is not a wise way. That, that a characteristic of a wise person is that there is an, an essential openness to other people lending input into their lives. This is a huge point that often is missed. That it is a key, you know, and I get it. I understand that there will be times where we will, we will have um, the need to be very almost stubborn. And I get that there is a kind of a good stubbornness in life. There is a kind of a, 
a quality that I've noted particularly in achievers who a lot of times they're willing to to swim against the grain. You know, you have you know, that old picture of the fishies all swimming in the pack one way and then you've got that one little you know, fish going in the opposite direction. And there are times where we, sw we swim against the grain and I get that. And I'm not saying there aren't times where it really takes a lot of courage not to just listen to everybody but to actually take a stand on something. I understand that. I understand that sometimes it's tremendously uh, impressive that, that that there will be moments in lives where we're gonna have to just, you know, push all the criticism. I get all that, but I'm gonna say this, for the most part, there is wisdom in being an open person. That allowing other people who we trust to have the freedom to challenge us. Some of us are very careful, even in our closest relationships. We have an invisible barrier that says we are close, we are friends, but you cannot cross this line with me. And as long as that gap is there, we're okay. But if, I, but if you cross that line and try to get into this area, then all, all of a sudden the sirens go off, uh, there's major, we've got problems now. And in fact, I'm not even sure I will, why? Because there's an idea that we're, there will only be a limited disclosure of who I really am. And you only have the freedom to address certain things in my life, but other things are out of bounds. Now, I understand that there is a need for discretion. In fact, talking about discretion, really interesting conversation we had on Wednesday. I was uh, talking with someone who is very much a part of uh, new media, and we were having a conversation about friendship. Because he says, you know what? He said, you know, last week when you were talking about the friendship and the isolating issue and all that, he goes, I, he goes, I don't know if you're planning on addressing this. He goes, but there's something that's huge that affects our generation in a way that it has no other generation before has been affected. And he says, I, I, I'm not sure if you're going to talk about it. He goes, I felt like I wanted to tell you, at least throw some things out and get you thinking about it. He goes, because this is a real issue. And so I was listening to him, and he, we were talking, and we started, he started, we started talking about Facebook and MySpace, and we, he started talking about all the huge, amazing developments that we've been blessed with. That's the world that he swims in, right? That's his world. And he, he was telling me, you know, oh, man, there's so many amazing things that can happen now that would, you know, the ability to connect with people at a way that was virtually impossible before, the, the ability to express ourselves uniquely and to showcase who we are, uh, the ability to you know, put together the mosaic of our life and let others who, have, who maybe we haven't heard from for years can connect with us. The ability for people who are friends far distance away to immediately be involved in the ongoing developments of our life. He was talking about the amazing upside to this, you know, this world of, of social networking. And he goes, but you know what, I, I, I want, and he goes, so from a friendship standpoint, he goes, there's amazing opportunities. He goes, but I also want to put on the board something that I've noted. And this is his world. And he goes, one of the things I've noted is that, you know, there's also some dangers in there too. And he started talking to me about the, about, um, uh, he said the two, and he says, I think the two most vulnerable groups for being injured here, the one would be, you know, obvious, he says, younger people. And he says, but the other one is people who are lonely. And he says, there's, a, there's an amazing capacity and potential for it to be hurt. And we started talking about it. And we started talking about, you know, that's true. It actually, um, I was talking, I went and talked to one of my daughters. And my older daughter made, made it really clear that she wanted me to emphasize that it was my younger daughter that I was talking about. <laughs> um, 
I said, I said, hey, you know, I'm gonna have a conversation with you more, you know, because I mean, I said, I understand how how you're, you know your kind of your world operates here, and I've had a chance to see your pages and all that stuff. But I said, tell me, you know, because um, because one of the things in the conversation earlier that had come up was he says, you know, what's interesting. He goes, we call people who come on to our into our world on Facebook and in MySpace, we call them our friends. He says, he goes, but. He goes, that's a really slippery term. Because it's true we're friends and, and, and there are degrees of letting people into our space. He says, but in reality, he goes, this is a totally different dynamic of what friendship is and, than maybe if there's ever been. He says, because people can be, and I said, my daughter, I said, hey, hey, how do you say that to me? How many friends do you have? I have 400. <laughs> I said, 400? 400 friends? She goes, well, you understand, it's not just friends. They're friends, but, well, that's what they're called. They're called friends, right? We're friends. She goes, yes. She goes, but yeah, but you know, it's like a, a friend of a friend who's a friend of a friend, and then we share a common friend, and so they're my friend, but I've never actually met them or had a lot of contact with them, but we're friends. Does that make sense? And I said, well, uh, yeah, kind of. You know, and we were talking about it, and then I was remembering what he's, my, my other friend was talking to me about over, we were talking, and we had a great conversation around it, and I actually enjoyed that conversation a lot with my daughter, but one of the things that was intriguing to me was he was talking about how people in this new era of friendship, that really there's not a lot of distinct, once someone is a friend, whether that friend is an intimate friend or a loosely connected friend, they all have actually pretty similar access to the same sharings and thoughts. And if a person discloses a lot of who they are, think about it. There are people who are attached, who are essentially acquaintances, gaining access. So there's, listen, there's intimacy without relationship or necessarily even authenticity. And it's an entirely different dynamic of discretion. Very interesting stuff indeed. And, and I think also people, you know, depending on a person's ability to just, I mean, you think about some of the things that people post as honest expressions, and we have others who don't have any, I mean, it's amazing at times the lack of, of, of one, I was, you know, do you realize what this is coming across as or the lack of inhibition that would never, never in a, in a real human blood setting would ever I show this part of who I am? But anybody who doesn't use a friend of a friend can come in there if, if allowed. Um, over a small little bit and be a part of that. that. That is a very different, that is not really what the Bible is talking about with friendship. It's talking about something very different. It's talking about, and again, I get it, it's how the advantages that are associated with it, I'm not, that part is to me amazing. But it's the potential there also for misinterpreting what real relationship and friendship is meant to be. Think about, let me, let me show you, let me su suggest something that some friendships are, are actually quite damaging to us. Some can be life-giving, and some can actually be toxic. And some are in between. We get a little of both. Some friendships are tremendously soul-enhancing. We come away, and um, we're just, we're, in, we're, we're enlivened. Others are very soul-diminishing, and by the time we're done, actually, we're probably further away from God than when we began. Some friendships actually result in us getting drawn back into things that are going to really hurt us. And so we have to be very thoughtful and wise about how we move into our relationships. Some friendships 
it's very easy for the truth to be told. But in other friendships, it's easy to live in denial about how things really are. And we almost affirm that denial. And so, you know, speaking about truth, let me show you a verse that the Bible has to say about truth-telling because, again, the friendships that can, we can tell the truth in are really beneficial. This is in Proverbs 25, verses 5 and 6. Look at what it says. This is a fantastic ver two verses here. It says that an open rebuke is better than love secretly concealed. And faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy, they are deceitful. This has to do with the idea that, really, a true friend is someone who has the ability to speak truth to us. Think about this. Open rebuke. There are times in our lives where the most loving thing to do will be, able, will be to speak a, a real true word that runs the risk of being rejected. But an open rebuke is better than love. Oh, I love him, but I'm not going to say anything. But that's not what the Bible says, that real love will at times, at times, this doesn't mean we walk around looking to offend, and offend people all the time. Right? Let's not confuse that. I'm not the, 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 the gifted you know, rebuker here walking around. You know, that's my, that, there's, nobody gets that calling, really. Um, but what we will, it will mean at times is that a true relationship that has depth to it, that it, if it really is going to go, if it has substance, that in a very real flesh and blood way, it can, it can call things onto the board. And that true love is willing to risk being misunderstood. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will, it will at times take a risk. That, that, that actually, it is a false kind of love that pretends there's no problem when the problem is huge. And then we can make excuses. We can say why, why we don't want to take the chance. I understand timing. I get that. Not all time is the same time. There's a time where a word should be delivered and can be delivered in a way that it should be delivered. I understand that. I don't think we always get that right, but we can, we can try to hear from God. And then, ironically, even that is something. Even trying to think about how can I talk to this person who I care deeply about can be something that we have other friends that we can share with around. What do you think? Is a pro Am I misreading this thing? And, but, but the point being is that there's times where love is going to have to show up in a way that almost looks like a wound. So what are you talking about? What I'm saying is that, you know, there are times I might go to a doctor and I might have a minor, minor surgery, something is to be removed, and I say, well, you know what? It's going to hurt a little bit. And it's going to take a little time to heal. But you know what? Afterwards, that issue will be addressed. And you're going to get, your, whole, your overall health is going to be significantly better. But it might cost a little pain on the front end. See, a true friendship, oh, again, that love, a wound of a friend, that's what it's saying. Is saying that there are times where a friend's wound is far more of a gift to us, listen, listen, than someone who just tells us what we want to hear. And in an extreme case, an enemy who is falsely flattering us, appealing to our ego, affirming what our bias, encouraging us in a way that they could care less really about our well-being. But to, condemn, to correct that would be an indictment on themselves. And so we'll get a pass if we go to them. That we, need, we need to have friendships in our lives where people can be truth tellers to one another. Let me show you another one, just real quick. In Proverbs, it talks about an obedient ear. Again, just looking at these. You might want to revisit these, some of these verses. Powerful stuff. It says this, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. What is an obedient ear? An obedient ear is someone who listens. 
And so someone who comes and says, hey, let me give you some input here. It may not be the great thing that you, it's going to help you, that you're like going, oh boy, thank you for that. But you know what? Afterwards, as we listen to it, oh, I thank God for people, and I mean that. I mean that word. I thank God for people in my life who at key moments have been willing to risk something to have a hard conversation. That it was the hard rock inside the peach, right? They got down to it. That is true friendship. That is real friendship. That is a kind of friendship where we can talk and love one another and still have a degree of honest conversation that is going to, yes, even challenge things. And I may get initially defensive over things, but a wise person will listen and process. Now, some of us, we will resist. Our initial, our initial reaction is like, I'm not hearing you. But if we are, as the Lord works in our heart, if we're open to God, we will hear people. We will hear. It is, it is a wise thing to hear. Oh, quickly, I'll show you something. In the, in the handout, you'll notice there's a second passage in there, 1 Kings 1, 5, 5, verses 5 and 6. Look at this. This is about that time, David's son. Now, you're going to say, why are we reading these two verses? What, what connection whatsoever does this have to this conversation? I mean, this is like something you would say for a parenting uh, convention or something, right? <laughs> but watch. It says, about that time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother, and this has to be one of the most unfortunate names uh, anyone ever, I, all right, um, <laughs> all right, she began, okay, she began boasting, I will make myself king, and um, so he provided himself with chariots and charioteers, and he recruited 50 men to run in front of, in front of him, and now his father, King David, this is, this is what I wanted to get to, it's about David, who was a great king, great man, great leader, Loved God, made mistakes, but he was a good, great leader. One of his weaknesses was he had a very poor parenting style that created significant dysfunction in his household. And part of his dysfunction is, is just thrown, the Bible like throws it in there as a, as a value add to explain, because Adonijah eventually is killed because of his character is deficient. He has a deficient character, and the Bible traces the deficiency in this case. Not every case is going to be this way, but in this case, the deficiency is traced back to a parenting style that David, in a sense, involved himself in, and it had to do with the fact, look what it says here, David, it says, now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. He didn't even, even by asking here, it says, why are you doing that? I mean, we're talking about even a passive inquiry into something when he saw something was wrong to just take a complete, it was like, I, he hit hands off. And it says that, that Adonijah was a very handsome young man. Probably David uh, favored him in some way, the son um, that he was uh, to him. And he showed up, that shows up relationally in an unwillingness to, to talk about truth, to, to, to confront things, to deal with something. Now, you take that from a parental relationship, apply it into our friendships, apply it in, for those of us who are married, between a husband and a wife, and we're engaging one another at key, key times, but just in friendship in general, there are going to have to be times where people have the freedom to tell us the truth, and we're going to have to be open to that, and it's going to take courage to do it. There are times where 
<laughs> We're going to have to have conversations about things just like the way God loves us. It's like, you know, someone was saying, saying you know, how does God love us? Well, God, God loves us. He loves me when I obey him, and he loves me even, yes, even when I disobey him. But I'll tell you the difference. When I obey him, when I honor him, his love is a, it's a love that, that is a good love, and it brings him joy. When, it, when I disobey and I go against him, it's a love that breaks his heart. That's the kind of love. It's a, it's a, it's a love that has pain. And, and that's what happens in life, too. But we have to risk if we always take the easy out and just simply do nothing and say nothing and don't confront things when they're obvious issues that need to be dealt with, come on, we can't live this way. We have to talk. We have to be able to break through this thing. We have to acknowledge it. If we don't do that, if that isn't addressed, what do we have? it's going to kill us. We've got to talk about it. We have to be able to talk truth to one another as friends. Therefore, we pray, we risk, we risk rejection, but when it works, oh man, what a gift. There are times in life where we will confront someone and it will not be received. And it will hurt a lot. In fact, that, the, the song that we're closing with, actually, this, this song, this idea of blame somebody else, blame somebody else, has to do with, with someone who, when confronted, they don't want to own it. They want to blame somebody else. And there will always be times in, lives, in our lives when we will have that opportunity to either to choose. We must choose. Am I going to receive this or am I just going to try to find the easy out and blame somebody else? Is it going to, see, these are key moments in our lives where the Lord will challenge us about both being a friend in terms of what we're willing to speak and being a friend in terms of what we're willing to receive. I want to pray for this and we'll close out the service. Lord, as we're talking about these things relating to truth, for one thing, I am reminded that we are going to, at times in our lives, need great courage to speak truth, or at least as best as we can to share our heart in such a way that something is put on the board, on the table. And it's going to require courage. And some of us, Lord, even now we've been struggling. We've been having a really hard time getting to that point where we'd be willing to talk about it and just address it. And say, you know what, I, 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 I'm concerned. And I, I want us to just at least be able to say this is something that should concern us. And Lord, so there are times we're going to need courage, Lord. And, then there are, and I pray that you would give us courage to do it. I pray we would be the kind of a friend who will not just take the easy out and tell someone what they want to hear or be silent when you want us to speak. Then also, Lord, help us to be the kind of friend and relational person, but Lord, you know what I'm saying, that, that can also have enough humility in us that we cannot be defensive even when it's not said right or said the way that we want it to. Or yeah, okay, the other person may have other issues themselves, Lord, but can we hear the heart? Can we hear what's behind it? Can we hear the word? Can we hear the appeal? Can we hear, are we just going to be defensive, Lord? Help us to drop our guard at least sometimes, Lord, with people who care for us. Help us to live this way, more open, so that we can hear your voice through people you give to us as gifts. We need that. And how much life will flow because of it. So just give us that capacity, Lord, not to blame, not to, to shut our eyes, but to be open. 
just pray that you'd bless these closing minutes, bless this song, which is going to emphasize this in its own way. And also, Lord, I pray over our time of giving that uh, many of us can, will honor you in this time with our tithes and offerings. And we bless your name. We love you, Jesus. Be glorified in this time. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord.